continue our exploration of heart, body, and mind, and our journey to try to develop deep understanding that unbinds all the places that we are contracted, all the places where we limit the full capacity of our heart and our mind. So today I want to talk about the second foundation of mindfulness. We've talked a lot about the first foundation, the body. We've talked a fair amount about the third foundation, the mind, heart, uh, territory. We've talked some about the fourth foundation, the hindrances fit in the fourth foundation, basically all the um, kind of ways that we understand uh, heart and mind fit into this fourth foundation. But we haven't talked, well, we've mentioned, but we haven't talked in detail about the second one, which is feeling tone or Vedana. And feeling tone is, um, you could say, the the first impression of a sense contact, whether we experience it as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So sometimes I call it, yeah, first impression. Um, below thinking levels, all the reactivity, it's, it's, it precedes all that. And in Buddhist psychology, every moment of sense contact has Vedana. Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Might be very unpleasant, very pleasant, but one of those three. And um, I remember when I first heard that this Vedana had like one foundation out of four, this little seemingly unimportant business about whether something's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. You know, I was like, wow, that's a, you know, that's a lot of airtime for this little um, event or happening. But I came to understand over time that it has its own foundation because it's so key for um, our suffering or our freedom. It's so key because it's a place where the chain of reactivity starts. And it's a place where with mindfulness, there's a possibility of cutting the chain of conditioning that leads to suffering. So it it's actually is a big deal. Um, it's where we get hooked. So when we get reactive, wanting, not wanting, pushing away, grasping, attachment, clinging, creating a separate self, all of that, um, we get hooked by the feeling tone of the sense contact. So for example, um, when we hear a sound, we think that the sound, if it's unpleasant, we think that the sound is a problem. <laughs> the sound really has not much to do with it. What, what we are reacting to is the, um, in this case, the unpleasantness of the contact of the sound at the ear door, if we're getting very um, specific. But, uh, Greg sometimes says that the object is innocent. And uh, it's, it's true because um, the feeling tone of a quote-unquote impact of an um, object can be uh, different at different times. So, for example, if you have one brownie, um, the experience, the tasting, contact with the tongue can feel pleasant. Pleasant, pleasant, pleasant. But if you are on your 10th brownie, it might not be so pleasant anymore. <laughs> so the brownie's innocent. The brownie has nothing to do with it. It's just how causes and conditions come together in this moment for how a sense contact is, um, is felt. The impact of a sense contact is felt. I know that's kind of real, um, <laughs> maybe specific, but we'll get into how you can work with it. So what happens um, for um, if we haven't really uh, spent any time understanding this, what happens is that if a sense contact is unpleasant, um, aversion naturally follows. And at first, the two seem like there, there, there isn't even a differentiation. <laughs> Something's unpleasant, no, push away, don't want. It's a deeply conditioned pattern. 
And if something, we say the object of something's pleasant, but if the impact is pleasant, that's really more correct. If the impact of a sense contact is pleasant, um, without understanding, we will grasp immediately. And they will seem like they're the same thing. There won't even be a gap at all. Um, With mindfulness, we can start bringing up the question, is it possible for there to be a gap between unpleasantness and um, aversion or pleasantness and grasping? And then neutral. So sometimes the Buddha talked about two the main uh, pleasant and unpleasant Vedana, and sometimes he talked about three, pleasant, Vedana, unpleasant, and neither, or neutral. Neutral without uh, mindfulness conditions spacing out. So something um, impacts us as neutral, we're just like, oh, don't need to pay any attention to this. And it's kind of very deep survival conditioning, really. It's very deep evolutionary conditioning. But we talk a lot more about pleasant and unpleasant because that's where the reactivity, that whole chain of reactivity comes in, and that's why he sometimes emphasized those two. So with mindfulness, there's a possibility of just stopping with, oh, it's just pleasant. It's just unpleasant. We don't have to add all the extra um, I've told this story so many times. Those of you who've meditated with me have heard it many times before, but I still remember the first time that this um, understanding became clear to me in my own practice. I was sitting over there, and, um, and they started mowing the lawn during the sitting meditation, and my meditation had been nice and peaceful, you know. It's going well in my mind. And then the sound started right outside the window. And um, I experienced it as unpleasant. And I got all reactive. I'm like, why are they mowing the lawn during the sitting meditation? They should wait and mow it during the walking. How inconsiderate. And they ruined my meditation and drama, right? First of all, I was identifying with the sound. And then the unpleasantness was causing all this reactivity. And then I was like, hmm, what's happening here? I I heard the sound. I noticed that it was just unpleasant. The contact was unpleasant. And then I was like, oh, we can just stop here. It was such a a mind-opening moment to realize I did not have to um, go into aversion. I didn't have to create all that drama. It's just unpleasant. And I experienced peace, even with an unpleasant sense contact. So it's most helpful when we're first exploring feeling tone to um, bring it in when, we're, when we find ourselves stuck, like I was in that moment. It's pretty hard to kind of, you, sometimes people do meditate this way, which just noticing the feeling tone of each moment, but, but that, uh, usually we get all conceptual and tangled, and so I usually don't recommend that. But more when we find ourselves maybe repeatedly grasping after something like a fantasy. Let's say a fantasy is repeating over and over again, and... Um, can we bring our attention to the feeling tone? Oh, it's just pleasant. Do I really have to go there? Do I have, you know, do I have to hold on to this fantasy? Can I just notice it's pleasant? So we're not trying to make some gap. We're not trying to change the feeling tone. It's not that unpleasant feeling tones are bad and pleasant ones are good. We're just um, moving our attention between the sense contact, the Vedana, and the re- relationship or reaction, and seeing if there's any like flexibility and possibility can, can enter into what our conditioning is automatic, right? Just unpleasant aversion, pleasant grasping, can there be options? Is there some flexibility or gaps in that um, really 
automatic conditioning. So we're going to just do our regular old meditation for a while, and then after maybe 20 minutes, I will um, introduce a little guided meditation on working with, with Vedna, We'll wait until maybe you have some pain in your body. You can, <laughs> or maybe it's really pleasant, and you, and you can uh, work with that. And so by now, uh, hopefully you have your kind of system for how you settle into your seated meditation practice. Perhaps with some metta or a body scan. It really helps you settle home with a kind heart, curiosity, enthusiasm, dignity, relaxation, ease. And for most of us, eventually, we allow our attention to rest, to settle with our home base, bringing that same enthusiasm and relaxation, ease, receiving the experience, Maybe even noticing that the experience of the breath is movement, stretching, relaxing, maybe tingling, or the body maybe feeling pressure, hardness, softness. Receiving these sensations of life at our home base. then other experiences may become or likely will become predominant. And we can connect with them fully. Explore moment to moment the process, the change, the relationship. Sensations in the body or Emotions, thoughts, and when the predominant experience wanes or we lose interest or we become scattered, then it's a good time to rest again with the home base maintaining some stability in our meditation. When in doubt, when confused, when not sure, just drop it all and come back to your home base, keeping it really simple. We're aiming towards simplicity. So we'll practice for a while in this manner.
if you'd like to explore feeling tone in a bit more detail. You can notice whether there's an experience, a sense experience arising that is pleasant or unpleasant. Maybe body sensations or an emotion, thought stream. And if nothing is particularly standing out, you can just hear the instructions. So first of all, we can connect with the sense experience directly. So if it's a body sensation, resting our attention in that area of sensation, noticing its texture, how it changes. Same with an emotion. We can feel it in the body or just notice it. Notice how it is manifesting. Thought stream, noticing the thoughts arising, passing away, arising, passing away. And then we can notice our relationship to this area of sensation or emotion or sense contact. Is there a sense of ease, equanimity, willingness, allowing, spaciousness? Or is there a relationship of some reactivity either pushing away, disliking, rejecting, or holding on, wanting more, some slight contraction of attachment. And particularly if there is reactivity, then we can, I call it backing up, we can go back to this area of sensation and notice it's just unpleasant. It's just pleasant. We can rest our attention in this affective tone, first impression, Vedana. What happens when we do this? No right answers. The right answer is exactly what happens. And so we can move our attention between these three uh, focuses and see What happens? So the actual bare sense experience, the feeling tone, and the response, either reaction or peace. With lots of curiosity, and, and I'm using a lot of words, but we try as best we can to connect directly. We let our own experience teach us however it's unfolding. Teach us about our automatic conditioning and teach us about freedom. So we'll practice like this for a little while. Of course, if it gets complex, confusing, conceptual, just drop it. Come back to the simplicity of the anchor.
a fascinating place uh, to practice with feeling tone is um, eating, eating and drinking, tasting. Um, I practiced, uh, I have practiced a number of times in Burma, and uh, one of my favorite experiences practicing there is the morning sweet tea, Burmese sweet tea, la paye cho. Um, and sometimes I would start looking forward to this tea months <laughs> before I would go to Burma because it's so good. It's made with sweet and condensed milk, and it's just. Mm. And so uh, one time I, I went there to practice, and um, I went down to my first morning breakfast, and uh, I was um, all excited about the PHO. So looking forward to having some Burmese sweet tea, and um, so I started drinking the tea, and then I started noticing that the pleasantness and the ending of pleasantness. So it would be pleasant ending, pleasant ending. And I was so disappointed. I actually cried all the way through breakfast. (laughs) I wasn't sobbing, but there were tears running down my cheeks because somehow I had expected so much more out of the tea. And um, so I just kept exploring this every morning. It would be like pleasant ending, disappointment, profound disappointment. Grief. <laughs> um, I even got angry at the tea. <laughs> I was like, "You were supposed to do it, and you're not doing it." And um, this went on for a while. And then one morning, I'm drinking. It was like pleasant ending, peace. It was like my heart and mind, our awareness itself, um, learned to be realistic. <laughs> about what the tea could give (laughs) and to be able to um, tolerate the ending of pleasantness, to to be at peace with that. I know some of you are like, are you crazy? (laughs) I just drop into deep retreat anytime I'm in Burma. This um, place uh, has been um, a practice area for over 800 years. So if you think of the strength of this hall, like the Dharma energy, <laughs> think of it very magnified. So we have some time if you have uh, questions, concerns, uh, reflections on the, the feeling tone practice or um, anything else that is happening in your meditation. And again, let's give priority to those who do not have a group today. Yes. Mm-hmm. I find it tough to stay with neutral sensations. So I'll start with an unpleasant one in the feeling tone practice. It no longer becomes predominant. It's just, you know, the feeling is neutral. Should I go back to the anchor, or do you have any advice um, for staying with the neutral Right. Thank you. I should talk a little bit more about neutral Vedna. That's what the question was about. Um, We kind of hope that our anchor is somewhat neutral. And the reason why is because it gives us a chance for some rest um, from reactivity, right? From that automatic conditioning reaction to pleasant and unpleasant. It is also true that sometimes if we're with a, a feeling tone like you described with pleasantness, it became neutral. It can change, right? And then, um, There's not as much, the charge has gone away is what you're saying, right? And so then, yeah, great, come back to your anchor. Don't need to do anything more, keeping it simple. Yeah, neutral. The challenge is, can an experience be neutral and we don't space out? So the breath, right? Like if it's neutral or fairly neutral, as we hope your anchor is, um, can we actually stay present? And so sometimes, um, if we're being with the anchor and we notice we're kind of spacing out a lot, we can say we can come back to the anchor and go, "Oh, oh, the, notice it's neutral. 
And that's why I'm not so interested in it. That's why I'm kind of spacing out. And can we be interested and connected with something that feels fairly neutral? And sometimes the neutral feeling tone can um, be a little taste of freedom because there isn't this automatic wanting or not wanting. It can give us a a taste of, of equanimity, of that kind of restful and peaceful mind heart. So yes, you can add in neutral too to your exploration. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the relationship between feeling, tone, and emotion. So all of that reactivity is basically emotions, right? So the aversion is the hating, the not wanting, the fearing, the disappointment, the grief, all of that, right? And the, um, or the wanting, grasping, craving, lusting. Um, yeah, so basically the reactivity is almost always in the form of an emo- what we would call an emotion, right? So we are working with emotions in all of this too then, right? So we, we have the three parts. We have the sense experience. We have the um, vedna. And then we have, if there is reactivity, we can be with that also. So let's say there is a body sensation. We don't like it, or it's unpleasant. We don't like it. We're like, oh, I hate this. What's it like to hate that? Can we, can we allow hating? <laughs> Again, it's like we're not trying to change anything. We're just trying to be with what really... It's like emotional honesty or existential honesty. We're trying to be honest about our experience so it can teach us. And so if the response is, oh, I really hate this, what's it like to hate your own experience? Get to know that. Is it satisfying? You know, awareness learns. Oh, huh. Hating doesn't feel so good. (laughs) It doesn't work. It doesn't get rid of the unpleasant body sensation. The secret hope of hating something is that if you hate it enough, you'll get rid of it. Like that's the delusion. If I if I hate it enough, it'll it'll go away. Check it out. It's pretty deluded, but it's the hope. It's the secret fantasy. And the secret fantasy with grasping is if I hold on tight enough, I can make this thing stay. Or if I want this bad enough, I can make it happen just by my wanting. Yeah, so it's so interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting to get to know these reactive mind states and the delusion. They all always have delusion present. So to get to know the delusion, the little secret stories, they're whispering to our minds. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess going off of that, when you were giving the tea example of like pleasantness, absence of it, and then you kind of you initially were like frustrated and angry, and then you sort of were at peace with it. Like, I guess what is the lesson there in emotions? Because in some ways, it feels like. Uh, so the question was about the T and what's a lesson with emotion and is it to kind of end that feeling tone and end the emotion? Is that the question? Did I kind of get it right? Anger is suffering. And um, peace is freedom. So we're not, we're, yes, we are hoping to head in the direction of um, freedom, but it comes, it's more organic. It's not like we're trying to make anything happen. I was not trying to make anything happen with that tea. I was just enormously curious about what my actual experience was. And um, I would say that that whole experience was about learning to accommodate ending loss, ending of pleasantness. And the learning came through the moment-to-moment connection with what was happening, rather than through any thinking in my mind, 
that it should be different or that I should feel peaceful on the tea. So if I had been telling myself, oh, Rebecca, this is ridiculous. You should not be disappointed in tea. You should be peaceful. A good meditator is peaceful. Um, I wouldn't have learned anything. I would have just been beating myself up. <laughs> so it's this curiosity and interest that's our great friend and um, uh, support. It's hard, right, to do that because we're so conditioned to feel like like the way to go is to control. The way to go is to have some ideal that we measure up to and then that we make our experience fit. It's so deeply conditioned. And this meditation that we're learning is, is a, just leaning back a little from that. You know, that has a kind of leaning forward. Just resting back, like, what is true? What's happening here right now? And letting that teach us. So that experience of just being with the pleasantness ending taught me so much. It's organic. It's like we have to trust something we're not used to trusting. That's part of this question here, right? We're used to trusting our cognitive minds and trusting our willpower and trust and, and you know some willpower is good, so we're not um, we're not trashing willpower, <laughs> but but we tend to over trust that. So we're learning to trust something that's more intuitive, more organic. less cognitive, maybe even quieter in some ways. So part of practice is like reorienting what we trust or how we trust, what we have faith in. And we're, oh, we're so used to having faith in willpower. <laughs> Man, and sometimes it's useful. I came to meditation with a ton of willpower. And um, it, it had its uses. It kept me going through five months of silent retreat in my first retreat. Yeah, you needed some willpower to do that. Um, but at some point, we come to the limits of willpower. And we have to learn surrender. And that's where we find the peace. Yes. So it's um, just, it's okay to to have these feeling tones. We're just we're just trying not to get carried away with it, right? So back to the neutral. So, so the question was: It's okay to have feeling tones. We're just trying not to get carried away, so we can come back to the neutral. You don't have any choice about feeling tone. Every moment, <laughs> every moment has feeling tone. It's part of just this human functioning. And um, the second part, yes. (laughs) Well, are we trying not to get carried away? We're trying to understand how we get carried away, because you are going to get carried away. Just let's just start there. (laughs) So we, we explore how we get carried away. And then we see if there's any options for not getting carried away. And we don't try to create those options. It's moving the mind around, having some flexibility between the actual experience of feeling tone and the reaction. That movement starts to create um, a space. And then at some point, the heart... It's almost like an experience of grace. I did not try in that tea to, to feel the ending of pleasantness followed by peace. I did not try to do that. It's like I, I was learning on a non-cognitive level about reaction. And um, then the, the, the heart found its own way. <laughs> so trusting that this process, right? So we're not trying to make everything neutral. In fact, the peace was quite pleasant. The peace was more pleasant than the tea which I found interesting, too, right? Because that tea's damn good. (laughs) Right, Gregorio? (laughs) You don't like it as much as me? 
He can't drink it. Oh, poor Greg. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he can't have caffeine. Oh, my condolences. <laughs> he makes it at home for his partner. I tried to make it at home. I can't repeat it. His is very good. Well, I'm coming, coming over. I'm coming over. <laughs> I did bring a bunch of Burmese tea home, right? It's, it is very precise. You can't just you can't just boil up the tea and put sweet condensed milk. And there's other. Anyway, I got a little off track there. Um, one more, and then we can end. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the negative reaction stopped. Mm-hmm. I still love the tea, and I can still experience grasping, as you may have noticed, <laughs> after Burmese tea. So I'm still a human being here. But um, it, was such, it was such a profound lesson, you know, and it brings in, for me, the, pos- the, the increasing access to peace in the experience of the ending of pleasantness. Mm-hmm. Okay, one last short, hopefully short question. Could you say something about the role of savoring? Yeah, savoring. Oh, this is really important, the role of savoring. Pleasant sense contact does calm our systems. There's a way that um, pleasant sense contact can be very nourishing and savoring it can be a way of um, taking good care of ourselves especially if there's a lot of suffering it was related to uh, the mudita going towards what's pleasant so sometimes we tell people you know go down to the garden look at the daffodils enjoy the daffodils enjoy your cup of tea right so there's um, a place for that in, in balance. We need the right balance of suffering and, um, and pleasantness in order to be able to be curious, right? If suffering's overwhelming us, uh, curiosity is far from accessible sometimes, yeah, if we're overwhelmed. And so sometimes stabilizing, um, consciously receiving pleasantness, allowing it to soothe and calm the nervous system is wise. And then we just notice, when does savoring move into, when does savoring, you know, we can still explore when does savoring have that feeling of some shutdown, some contraction that either wants to keep it or get more of it or control it or it can be interesting watching the sunset right so the sunset's so beautiful we can enjoy the sunset it's a ritual here at um, IMS for some people and yet there can be this overlay it's like can I really grok this sunset fully like it's a, it's like a little tension on the outside of the, or around the savoring, right? It's like can I package up the sunset and like take it with me, and and um, so that's that. Then that's the practice place. It's like oh, can I savor the sunset fully and allow it to end, <laughs> allow the pleasantness to end without needing to in any way build it up or keep it or. So that's the difference. Savoring is great, and then exploring when it starts to have any level. And so in our practice, sometimes this level of contraction will be very obvious, and sometimes, especially the longer we practice, the more subtle it gets. So sometimes it's just a slight contraction on the edges of awareness. And we just uh, can keep exploring. Alrighty, I don't think we have a lot of announcements today. Um, oh yes, groups. So groups, if you had a group two days ago, you have a group, the same group today, but a different teacher. We have, after debate, decided to meet inside. Um, it's a little cool for some people. 
keep going. <laughs> upstairs, yeah, they're all upstairs. Thank you, Gregorio. Keep going. Enjoy your practice. Don't forget walking. Don't forget in-betweening. Really important. All of it. Package. Really, this can be a time where you allow this kind of continuity, this thread of mindfulness throughout your day. It'll wax and wane, but just the intention to make your life your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.